Welcome to the LIPN Podcast, brought to you by the members of the Long Island Professional Network, where business professionals come to grow. Thanks for listening. I'm Meryl Loeschner, Marketing and Communications Consultant and Podcast Producer with Smith Douglas Associates. As every business owner knows, the most important asset a company has is its employees. When you find that right person, you want to do everything you can to make them happy. And that means having the right benefits. To learn more about what's out there, I reached out through the Long Island Professional Network to Diane Santonino, an insurance broker with Allied Wealth Partners. I wanted to know if my small business could offer insurance benefits, what options were available, and what I needed to do to make sure my staff was taken care of without breaking the bank. Good morning, Diane. Thank you so much for joining us today. Good morning, Meryl. I'm happy to be here this morning. As a small business owner, I know how important it is to offer the right benefits to get the best employees. What's the minimum number of employees I need to get group health insurance? So to get group insurance, you must have two enrolled in a plan, and it can no longer be husband and wife. You must have one non-common law employee enrolled. You also must have 60 to 70% participation, depending on the group size. And there are certain things called valid waivers that do not go towards that participation requirement. And a valid waiver would be spousal, parental, Medicare, Medicaid, and VA coverage, veterans coverage. So if any of the employees have those, uh, are, are covered under those uh, types of plans, then they will not go towards that 60 to 70% participation. As an employer, it's really overwhelming. How do I decide which benefits are best for my employees? Because dear God, there's a lot of stuff out there. There certainly is, and it is very overwhelming. And they seem to change the laws and the rules constantly. So my office, and myself will assist in deciding which benefits are best for you and your employees based on premium, based on plan design, based on carriers. We'll couple, we will come up with a plan that fits both your needs and your budget. We can also offer all the carriers. So whether it's Aetna, Emblem, Oxford, Empire, whether you went direct to that carrier or came through my office, the premiums are exactly the same. We also offer something called Health Pass, which is an umbrella. You get billed from Health Pass, but you're able to offer all of these carriers under one umbrella without having to worry about the participation. What about part-timers or 1099s? Can I offer insurance to them? Yes. So as far as 1099s, yes, we could offer insurance to your 1099 employees. Regarding part-timers, the minimum is 20 hours a week to be eligible for health insurance. Let's talk about some of the language in health insurance. What is the difference between a deductible, a copayment, and coinsurance? Because I was never really quite sure what those differences were. Absolutely. So a deductible is the amount you pay for covered health care services before the insurance company actually starts paying any of the invoices. So for instance, if you had a $2,000 deductible, you would first have to meet that 2,000 deductible. So that would come out of your pocket 
before any coverage services. And then once you meet that deductible, depending on which plan you have, you will either have to pay co-payments or you may have co-insurance. What's the difference between co-payment and co-insurance? Because it does sound like it's the same thing. It does sound like the same, but it's a little different. So a co-payment is just a fixed amount that you will pay after, again, you meet the deductible. So for instance, you may have a co-payment of just $25 for a primary care physician. You may have a $50 co-payment for a specialist. You may have a $500 or $1,000 co-payment for hospital admission. Some plans, again, may require a deductible be met before you actually start paying the co-payments. Coinsurance is the percentage of costs of a covered healthcare service. So again, for instance, if you have a $2,000 deductible and you have 80%, 20% coinsurance, the insurance company is going to pay 80% after you meet that $2,000 deductible, and you would be paying 20% of all bills or invoices that come in. So a copayment is a flat fee and a coinsurance is a percentage. Correct. Okay, there are a lot of private insurance companies out there, but what about the state health insurance exchanges and the marketplaces? How does that muddy the waters? So the state health insurance exchange or the marketplace is where the employee or the business owner would actually go onto the exchange and enroll. We don't personally handle the um, health insurance on the exchange or the marketplace. So the person would have to just go in they do have people that will assist you. Now, as an individual, you would have to go onto the exchange because the only carrier that we could offer would be Oscar. They do not broker out individual plans, except for Oscar. So we do it as a service for our clients. But any other carrier, you would have to go onto the exchange, fill out whatever they ask, upload tax documents. I hear it's a little complicated, but you know, doable. If we don't use the marketplace, if we offer a group plan... How does the Affordable Care Act affect the group plans? So the Affordable Care Act changes the way an employer buys and offers insurance to the employees. Under the Affordable Care Act, it now requires employees with 50 or more employees to offer affordable health insurance to their employees. That's one of the main changes with the Affordable Care Act. Here's one thing I was always curious about. What is the difference between a PPO and an HMO? And what do those acronyms mean? So HMO stands for Health Maintenance Organization. And what that is, is where you have to use the doctors in the network. And if you do not use the doctors in the network, then 100% of whatever the bill is, is going to be out of your pocket. A PPO is a preferred provider organization, and that allows you to do both. You could go in and out of network. So in-network, again, it may just be co-payments. Out-of-network, you may have a deductible and co-insurance. PPO plans are not very popular anymore. A lot of carriers don't even offer PPO plans because they're really trying to gear you into using the HMO platform. The PPO plans are very, very expensive. Okay, here's some other acronyms I have questions about. FSA and HSA accounts. Do you have policies that handle those? And what's the difference between the two? Yes, we offer them. So an HSA is a health savings account. That is an account that an employee would open up if they have 
what they call a high deductible health insurance plan, which has to be filed with the state in order for it to be an HSA. So the employee will fund that savings account with their own money. They control that money. They can open up an HSA account at their own bank. Then they will get debit, a debit card, and that money would then be used for qualified medical expenses like deductibles, co-payments, prescriptions, vision, and dental care expenses. With an HSA, I don't know if you've heard of this before, uh, use it or lose it rule, that does not apply with an HSA. You can roll that over from year to year. An FSA is a flexible spending account, and that is a contribution typically offered through an employer arrangement where they take out pre-tax dollars from your paycheck in order to then use that for qualified medical expenses. The same type of expenses like co-payments, deductibles, co-insurance, prescription drugs. For the year 2020, an individual was allowed to contribute up to 2,750, and that's going to remain the same for 2021. However, with an, a an FSA, excuse me, you do have a use it or lose it. So you do not want to overfund your FSA because if you don't use it for medical expenses, it's gone. So the money in an FSA is pre-tax and the money in an HSA is post-tax. Correct. You mentioned high deductible policies before, and I've heard a lot about them. How do high deductible policies work? So a high deductible plan is going to be a lower monthly premium. However, you're going to have to meet that deductible before any of the medical expenses are covered. And then typically with those high deductible plans, you're gonna have that HSA account. And the HSA, you could put 3,550 for an individual for 2020 and 7,100 for a family. And they do have an annual catch-up for individuals age 55 or older of 1,000. And they are increasing that for 2021 to 3,600 an individual and 7,200 a family. Nothing's going to be covered until you meet that deductible. And then you would use your HSA account that we just spoke about to pay all your medical expenses. So it becomes more catastrophic. What about employees who are in Medicare? How does the Affordable Care Act affect people who are in Medicare? Well, the Affordable Care Act for people on Medicare lowers the prescription drug costs for Medicare beneficiaries, and it expands Medicare preventative benefits. Also, on the exchange, years ago when you would enroll, they really wouldn't know if you were 65 or older, but now it kind of just defaults immediately. If you are Medicare eligible, you cannot get an individual plan. It would default right to Medicare. And then at that point, you would either choose a Medicare supplement or a Medicare Advantage plan, which we could also assist in helping clients. I know there are certain times where you can enroll or change your health insurance. What are those times? And what if you need to enroll when you're not within those times? Great question. So as far as group plans go, there's no time. Okay, you could enroll any time of the year for a new group. So if an owner says, okay, I'm ready, I want to start up a plan, we could open it up at any time. What It usually starts the first of the month. And we need to have the paperwork in on the 15th of the prior month in order to get the first effective date. For an individual, 
there is a time, you know, the, the open enrollment period, which starts November 1 through December 15 for a January 1st effective date. And if you meet that, if you do not um, enroll during that period, you will have to wait then the prior year to enroll unless you have what they call a qualifying event. You move a death, you lose your group health insurance. Those are certain qualifying events where you can enroll off open enrollment period. Well, like I said earlier, I run a small business. I only have five employees. Really, is this something I can just put together myself? You absolutely can. However, whether you do it yourself or you come through my office as a broker, the premiums are exactly the same. So it makes more sense to have a broker because we're going to be there to service your accounts. We will help you enroll your employees, help you terminate them. We will be there for any questions that they may have. We will keep you abreast of any changing laws in the industry, which change constantly. So it truly makes sense to have a broker because it doesn't cost the employer or an individual any extra premium. Well, that's really good to know because as a small company, we don't have an HR department. So you can take care of all the insurance paperwork for us when we're onboarding, when we're letting go? My office can help with certain aspects of what we want to call HR services. So we would act, we would be your main contact person. You wouldn't have to go direct to the carrier. We would, you would fax or email over to us any new enrollment forms, any termination forms. If anybody's going on COBRA, we would handle all of that processing. Obviously we can't fire or hire people for you, but we could absolutely help with any administrative for your health insurance. We also offer professional employer organization plans. So what that does, we have vendors that we work with. We have um, Insperity, we have Trinet, we have Prestige, JustWorks. We work with all of these PEO companies and they actually offer HR services. So you would actually, at that point, they would do your payroll. They have a designated person to help with HR services. So that's another platform that can make sense for certain employers. As part of your services, can you come in and sit down and personally talk with us on how to get the best insurance packages for my employees? Yes. As a broker, we represent all the carriers and all the plans, and we would sit down, do a thorough fact finder, get a feel for what you're looking to offer, get a feel for what your budget is, and then we would come up with a plan design that works for you. What if one of my employees has a question about premiums or a problem with a bill? Do they call the insurance companies directly or do we call you? You could absolutely call us as your broker. That's the service that we provide, the extra service. So sometimes there may be issues trying to get claims information because of HIPAA rules and regulations. So we might have to sign a letter or sometimes we just do conference calls with the employee or the, or the owner of the company or employer on the phone. We pride ourselves on service and it's a lot easier to come through us than going through the insurance company and staying on hold for 45 minutes. So that's another advantage of having a broker. Okay, so correct me if I'm wrong, but the advantages of having a broker, you do all the work, you deal with all the paperwork, you deal with all the insurance stuff, you help with the HR, and I don't have to pay you a penny. That's correct. We get compensated through the insurance companies directly. Okay, you've got my attention. 
How can people reach out and get more information from you? So the best way to reach me is either call my office, 516-705-9760, or you could email at dsantonino, D-S-A-N-T-O-N-I-N-O, at allied, A-L-L-I-E-D, wealth, W-E-A-L-T-H, partners, P-A-R-T-N-E-R-S, Thank you so much for joining us today. This was a lot of really good information. Thank you, Meryl. This was wonderful. I appreciate your time. I hope we were able to help some people out there to navigate through this crazy system. Thank you for listening to the LIPN podcast, brought to you by the Long Island Professional Network and produced by Smith Douglas Associates. To learn more about the LIPN, visit our website at lipn.org or join our meetup under Long Island Professional Network.